welcome to the Macabre Emporium. Welcome back to Macabre Emporium, episode 10. Woo! Yay, episode 10. We reached the double digits finally. Ooh, double digits. You reached those long, long time ago. And you're not that much farther behind either. Okay. Uh, uh, uh. So. Yes. Christmas. Uh, yes. <laughs> don't sound so excited there. I don't like Christmas. No. Things that you... Okay. So, I liked Christmas. Right. But... We both know things have happened around Christmas that just totally changes the holiday. Right. But so. even though this is Macabre Emporium, we have probably more thought this would probably be best to be more fun and upbeat, I guess. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, I know. We're kind of super disappointing, aren't we? <laughs> to you guys this week. Um, more or less, you know, there's enough murder podcasts out there. Oh, excuse me. True crime podcast that it's going to be doing crimes and such like that or Halloween related like I was actually looking in to see if the South Bend Snow Shovel Slayer was an actual thing you thought it was and you had me going because you were so amped up like yeah and then I this really happened Holy well shit. when I first looked at it I didn't I skimmed through it and then I started actually reading through it and I'm like mm -hmm. this is just fucking fan fiction based off the character from Home Alone yeah so that sucks, because that would have been really cool. Like, damn, I didn't know that he was a real dude. Right. But he's not. He's not. So we're going to be going through some, like, our Halloween episode, some Christmas songs, and some Christmas movies that we both like. Yep. And Sarah's not going to be doing true crime this week. No. Yeah, she's stepping into my side of the, of the shop counter here, and she has an origin story for you about mistletoe. Mistletoe. Not to be confused with the camel toe. <laughs> <laughs> you know I had to. Oh, I know you had to put that in there. So, and later on after she's done, I will be covering probably one of the most iconic things that's ever involved with Christmas. Santa? Not that. I'm talking about the Christmas tree in the ice skating rink of Rockefeller Plaza. Ah, yeah. That is one thing I would like to go see sometime. I think that... In person. Yeah. And now after reading through all of it, that would be great for something for us to do. Maybe not to go ice skating, but to, I mean, maybe try it just to say we, we actually did it because, you know... Okay, so look. We had this conversation the other day. You are a very graceful faller. My ass looks like a fucking eel out of water. Like, I'm everywhere. Okay, but I was watching the live stream for that in Rockefeller Plaza to see, you know, watch for fucking people fall. They have little, like, penguin things that you can use for, like, as a walker to help you ice skate. Those so. are for children that are learning. This is an, it would be, like, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to say I, I ice skated under the Rockefeller Christmas tree. <sighs> okay. If we ever get there, I promise I'll try. One yep. time. Yeah, that's all you gotta do is try, and that's it. So... Some of my favorite Christmas songs, which anyone that knows me, that would be surprised that I actually like any. Yeah. But I don't really like a lot of your traditional versions of Christmas songs. Correct. There's actually two albums, still technically three, that I have recently found in the last 24 hours that if it was on vinyl, I get it. But the first two albums that I would definitely play for Christmas and recommend to anybody is J.D. McPherson's Christmas album named Socks, like yeah. start to finish. Yeah, that's a good one. 
and also another album would be Reverend Heart and Heat's Three Kings Christmas album. Is that the one that you had here? Mm-hmm. Okay. But, like, songs on their own. Um, the Reverend Payton's Big Damn Band's cover of Run Rudolph Run. Yes, that's a really good one. Another version of Run Rudolph Run would be by Lemmy from Motorhead, Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top, and Dave Grohl. They did a cover of it. Have I heard this? I don't know if you have or not. I don't huh. think I've ever played it around you. Uh, Corey Taylor's Xmas. I don't know that I've heard that either. You never heard that one? I don't know. I guess I don't we'll know. have to play that later. Uh, Elvis Presley's version of Here Comes Santa Claus, a song by Paul McCartney, which there's a meme floating around now that is that uh, that they were in the middle of doing a ritual for witchcraft and somebody walked in. <laughs> a Wonderful Christmas Time. God. Uh, the Misfits blue version of Blue Christmas. Yep. Wednesday 13 Buried by Christmas. Yep. And at the time when I was started writing this out, I came across this group called Grave Robber. Grave Robert and the hand of a song called Have Yourself a Scary Little Christmas and it was quite good. Yeah. Was... He had me listen to it in the in the truck. So far for movies for me, or do you wanna You want me to do my music? Do you wanna do your music now or do you wanna do Well yeah, list? let's let's keep it together. Uh for me, I only really have one Christmas song that's like, you know, my favorite. Mm-hmm. What is it? I wanna have a pot of miss for Christmas. Absolutely. Yeah. So that is my absolute favorite one. Um was it Grave Robber that you were just talking about? Yes. Did a cover of that, and you had me listen to that yesterday, and it definitely didn't disappoint. Um, like you were saying, you like Christmas music if there's a twist to it. Yeah, and like, like your non-traditional songs, like yeah. you'll listen to, like, for example, in Home Alone, you know, Rock Around the Christmas Tree, everybody knows that version. No, I yes. don't care for that shit, and especially not Mariah Carey. <laughs> Literally my next line. <laughs> then there's Mariah Carey's song. <laughs> I will not subject myself to that. I will not. Oh, I know. Even Grave Robber had a cover on that list. You're like, I don't care. I don't want to hear any version of it. I don't. I, ugh, no, I don't. Which I'm um, sure their version is probably way better anyhow. I'm sure, but no thanks. There are two Christmas songs that I cannot absolutely cannot listen to without crying Mm -hmm. and i always have to turn them uh one of them is oh shit what is the name that's not it ginger but thanks (laughs) for the help um a soldier's christmas poem Mm -hmm. do you know what one i'm talking about i've probably heard it before it's it's not really a song but it's you know there's christmasy music behind it and it's supposed to be santa reading about going into the soldier's uh not barracks but wherever he's staying and how mm-hmm. you know there should be a tree up and presents and stockings and how he found him just laying on the floor right. with like sand in his boots it's fucking heartbreaking so the other one is christmas shoes i kind of guess that's what it's gonna be yeah uh for those of you that don't know what i'm talking about it's about a little boy that goes to a store to pick out shoes for his mom in case she meets jesus tonight and it's also fucking heartbreaking. <laughs> so, yeah, those are the two that I absolutely have to skip. I don't understand why they even make Christmas songs like that when it's supposed to be, you know, all joyous and happy this time of year. They're like, hey, yeah. here's two songs that's going to just punch you in your emotional gut and make you cry. Yeah, like I, I had a really hard time listening to those before my mom died. Yeah. But then after her dying, like three days before Christmas. Right. And you know, like... Just it, 
Right. It's fucked up. And it gets more fucked up after something like that happens. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Favorite Christmas movies now that we've gone over music. Yeah. I'm sure if you ever listen to our Halloween one, if I said it's like psychobilly or rockabilly of some sort, it's going to be counted. So for movies, as far as my list would go, I'm sure like probably some of these are going to pop up on yours. I'm sure. Uh, Home Alone. One uh, and two, obviously. Of course, that's on mine too. Krampus. Mine too. Christmas Vacation. <laughs> mine too. <laughs> Jingle All the Way. Nope. You know what that one is, right? Uh huh. Okay. The Christmas Chronicles with Kurt Russell. Yes. Polar Express. Yep. The Muppets Christmas Carol. Never seen it. Yep. We need to change that. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with John Candy and Steve Martin. Also never seen it. No, okay. Well, I have to at least watch it once. Okay. Um. The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, but I don't... I, I, don't the, start, because if you go and Google this, if I remember correctly, it was released in December. I know, but I don't view that as, yes, there's Christmas in it. I don't view that as a Christmas movie. But yeah, I mean, it's a movie it's I can watch all It's a perfect holiday movie because it spans three months worth of time. True. That's so now where was my spot with this. Oh. Um... Scrooged. Yes, but I did not have that on my list. And A Christmas Horror Story. Yes, that's a good one, but I did not have that on my list either. I wasn't either. too sure if you were going to remember what I that one was. I forgot about that one, yeah. Yeah. The where the, like, the epic fight scene between Krampus yep. and Santa Claus and the huge <laughs> twist at the end of it. Yeah, I remember. Um, So my list is obviously not very different from yours, except right. I have Christmas with the Cranks on mine. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah, Wait, and and the Santa Claus movies, like, those are really cute. I like those. Wait, Christmas with the Cranks, that's where they like do their staycation, and all of a sudden at the end they have to uh, yes, throw it they all were, together. They were going on vacation, and then the daughter called and said, "Hey, mom, we're coming home for oh, yeah. yeah." And uh, yeah, Tim, um, like anything, Tim Allen, I, I just love it. Right. Oh, and I forgot to put on their office Christmas party, and then oh, that is on my list actually. <laughs> office, office Christmas party was yeah. What about the night before? That's the one with Seth, what's his face? Stoner Seth and yeah, the kid from 30. Third Rock from the Sun. Thir- I was going to say 30 seconds to Mars. Totally, totally different kid. Yeah, that one. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, that's his name. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Yep, that's it. That's another one of those actors who's like, you hear about him a lot, and then he just disappears for a while, and then he comes back again, and then he's just gone for a while. But he's kind of like a jack of all trades. Like he can dance, he yeah. can sing, he can oh, act. Yeah, like uh, when his one time on uh, as a host of SNL, when he was like in the yeah. spotlight again, he like showcased all that mm-hmm. and like his monologue, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But so now, COVID brain fog still affecting me for my portion of this episode. I was going to do more fun facts and trivia for Christmas, like Sarah had did for our Halloween episode. And then it hit me like a tree branch hitting Clark Griswold in the face when he untied his tree. Sorry, you said that immediately in my immediately in my head. I'm like, little full, a lot of sap. Yeah. <laughs> So this week I'm going to be bringing you one of the how one of the world's most possible iconic holiday bucket lists locations or maybe a tradition for you and your family if you live in the city of new york came about i'm sure the first images that pop into your head when you hear rockefeller center christmas tree 
You see the iconic images of a Christmas tree towering over an ice rink and a golden sculpture of the Greek god of fire Prometheus standing guard. The first Christmas tree was actually erected during the actual construction of the plaza. Really? And, yes. The first Christmas tree was actually put up by construction workers in 1931 that would pull their money together to buy a 20-foot-tall balsam fir Christmas tree. This type of tree is like the short, pointy needles. Yeah, so not like a regular pine tree. No, not like a white pine that has the long, softer needles. So like the needles that really hurt when you try to cut the shit out of your hands when putting on Christmas ornaments. And the construction workers would place this on the site of Rockefeller Center as a a symbol of hope and prosperity during this Christmas season, uh, during the Great Depression, when they're building this actual complex of buildings. Because I always thought Rockefeller Center was the big, giant, super tall building. It's actually like a complex of 14 buildings all together. Oh, really? Yes. Dang. Radio City Music Hall and 30 Rock, which is in the super tall building behind the Christmas tree. Okay, yeah. That's all part of this center. The plaza is where the tree is. Okay. And they would actually decorate this tree with homemade garland, streamers, and ornaments made from tin cans. It wouldn't be until two years later that this would actually become an annual tradition at the plaza. For the most part, it's been always one larger tree throughout the years. But one of the interesting facts that I found out was during World War II, they would actually place three smaller trees at the plaza instead of one giant one. During the entire length of World War II, these three trees would actually take on a patriotic theme and would have unlit red, white, and blue bulbs on the tree. Unlit? Well. Yeah, because of not to waste energy during the war effort. Oh, yeah. The species of the tree that is at Rockefeller Center's Plaza is typically a Norway spruce. The tallest tree that they have ever had at the plaza was in 1999 at 100 feet tall. Damn. And there is a reason why they typically try to select the Norway spruce, which I will get into in this next section towards the end of it, because of how the tree is selected. It's not like, nope, there's a tree. I mean, they, their head gardener actually spends some time looking into this stuff. Uh, Their name of their head gardener is Eric Paws. I could not find a pronunciation guide. I'm trying my best. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's been with them since 2010, and every year he scouts out trees in the northeast region of the United States He by visiting nurseries, tree nurseries, or out in the wild. Um, he even gets submitted tips on trees that are out in the wild. Mm-hmm. And he also gets submission from homeowners. Uh, Paws will monitor all these tree candidates throughout the year on their condition. He will also then feed and water these trees regularly until he makes his final decision in December on which tree is going to be. Like he goes out to these locations and he himself waters and feeds them? Yep. Wow. I mean, he had the task of selecting the world's most famous Christmas tree, so you're going to... Right. And once he's finally made his decision, him and his crew will carefully pack up this tree, being very careful not to bend any branches that could possibly break them during its transport. Um, when the tree gets to New York, it's pre-decorated before they place it. And they actually have minimum requirements for your tree to be eligible to be on Rockefeller Plaza. So it has to have a minimum height of 75 feet and has to have a minimum diameter of 45 feet. That's huge. Yeah. Like at that point, why don't they just go get a fucking sequoia? 
Well, like I said, there's <laughs> okay. a reason why why with the because of what they do with this tree afterwards. Oh, okay. The tree usually comes down around New Year's Day, and then I've seen people complain on the internet about. Oh, it's such a waste. It's such a waste of such a beautiful tree. Well, since 2007, they have actually been donating the tree to Habitat for Humanity. Mm -hmm. And the type of tree that they use for flooring and cabinetry is Norway spruce pine. So they typically try to go with the Norway spruce since they do do donate this tree every year to Uh Habitat for Humanity for lumber. The uh, star that's on top of the Rockefeller Christmas tree is actually about nine feet in diameter and weighs approximately 900 pounds and is covered in three million Savarsky crystals. So that's about all, I mean, out there about the tree that I could find. But, you know, still dealing with COVID brain fog still at the Mm -hmm. time of this recording. I had to go with something super simple and not in super in-depth like you were trying to do. Well, not just trying to do, just other stuff in general. But also, another thing that comes up with Christmas is, you know, like we just said before about, at the beginning of this episode, about trying to ice skate there at least once in our life so we can yeah. say we've done it. Uh, the legend behind the ice rink is that it was inspired by a skate salesman demonstrating his skates on the frozen water of the Rockefeller, Rockefeller Center fountain. But according to the actual website for the Rockefeller Plaza, uh, the truth is that where the sunken plaza is now, there was higher-end retail space, and it wasn't doing too well, so the Rockefellers decided to place a ice pond, or a skating pond, yeah. but we know as an ice rink, in the sun- sunken plaza to try and attract shoppers into the underground concourse shopping area. And it would open on Christmas Day in 1936. It was meant to be temporary, but it was an instant hit with the tourists in New York at the time and the New Yorkers itself. And in 1939, they would build a more permanent 120-foot by 60-foot ice rink that's still open today. Yeah. Um, they can actually run up to the end of its season, which is in the end of April with the technology that they use underneath this ice. They can run up to the outside temperature can be up to 75 degrees and they can still maintain ice. Damn. But once April hits and they melt the ice away... This space where the ice rink sits is converted into an outdoor cafe named Drink Bar. And also starting in this year of 2022, the retro-themed roller rink. One of the sources that I was looking into this actually said that was looked at as a temporary summer thing when they first built it was in the 40s to do roller skating. But more time, probably, you're not wasting metal on roller skates. Yeah. The Rockefeller Center Ice Skating Rink in... One season, they can see up to 150,000 people. But with this 150,000 people that visit the ice rink annually, they actually have to limit uh, how many people can have their engagements on the ice. So they actually have two different packages that you can do, you know, to have your engagement with. Uh There's one that they have called the Classic, where they they will actually pull everybody off the ice during your time. And then you can have you and your significant other have your big moment to a song of your choice. Okay. Or you can also have one, a more private one after hours with up to your, your significant other and yourself and 10 guests with a playlist as well, too, for 30 minutes. Like just you guys on mm-hmm. the ice and your family or whatever? Yep. Okay. There wasn't too many videos of it, but like I could watch, found one in the classic one. But the way they do it is like, 
you wouldn't even notice they're taking these people off the ice at a time. Oh. Like, it just happens that quickly or Yeah, it just well it happens that quickly, but also that slowly you wouldn't even notice uh, until it's pointed out. But wouldn't that kind of bite into the other people's time slots? It could be it didn't specify, they just said that's what it is. Huh. It might uh you know it's probably like slow at slow enough pace that you're not gonna notice be like, where's everybody going? It just right. all of a sudden there's nobody out there. Okay. But that's some fun stuff about the Rockefeller Plaza ice rink and the Christmas tree. Uh, actually, where is Oh, I forgot. That the, the Rockefeller Christmas tree is actually covered in 50,000 lights. That's a lot of fucking lights. Mm-hmm. And in one day, it uses up about the same amount of energy as a standard four-person family home. In one day? In one day. As much as we would in, what, a month? Probably. Holy crap. I would hate, hate to see their electric bill. Yeah, Rockefeller Center, you know, they probably don't even look at the bill. They just look at how much they got to pay. Probably. But as long as it's been around to being a national landmark, there's probably exceptions made for them. Mm, maybe. I don't know. Because this wasn't about Rockefeller Center itself. This is just about the Christmas tree and the ice rink. Right. Uh, would have included the statue about Prome- of Prometheus, but there wasn't a whole lot of information about it. Not oh, even, like, why it's Prometheus there? Nope, that's what I wanted to find, and I couldn't find an exact reason why, other than... Hmm. And he's the god of what? God of... Uh, he's a Greek titan, which is an older god of fire. Huh. He's the same one that was chained to a rock to have his liver eaten out for eternity because he gave fire to the, to mankind. Oh. As his punishment, yeah. So, here's some holiday fun facts! Yep. You really need to save that as a... Well, whenever we actually <laughs> record one, though, I actually like, I'll be able to make one. Santa Claus will consume over 366 million cookies on Christmas Eve and drink about 5.9 million gallons of milk. How many calories is that? A whole fucking How lot. many grams of sugar is that? That, that equals to the diabetes. <laughs> yep. Bronner's Christmas Wonderland in Frankenmuth, Michigan holds the title of the world's largest Christmas store, covering a little over two acres of continuous retail space. It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. places. Yeah, and the, as for the time we went there for Black Friday. Stupid. It was stupid, <laughs> but it was chaotic. It had this other weird chaotic energy yeah. than any other Black Friday does. Nobody was, like, pushing each other. People would actually bump into you and be like, oops, oops sorry. sorry. Yeah. And, yeah, it didn't feel like it for as many people as we know were cram-packed because they had somebody metering how many people were coming in. Right. And how many people were leaving. Right. Like, you knew that place was packed to capacity. It didn't feel like that. And that's the weird thing. Maybe that's why they were doing a count of how many people were in there. So it wasn't cram-packed. No, but also, I'm not wondering if Tony's has a, the world's ringer for the most ridiculous BLT sandwich just down the road from Frank, from uh, Prodders. I don't know. But you ever find yourself in Frankenmuth on your way out, make sure you stop at Tony's in, I believe it's Birch Run. Yes, it's Birch Run. Tony's um, in Birch Run. The, uh, okay, so they like giving out bacon. You ask for a side of bacon anywhere else, normally you get, what, two, three strips? Uh-huh. You get... 
a fucking half pound. No, it's literally on the menu. If I remember saying it said a side, uh, undersides a pound of bacon. Yeah. Okay. A pound of bacon as your side of bacon. And it's, it was pretty cheap to eat there for the four of us. Yeah. Um, yeah, really good food. Super, super busy place, but you're, you're in and out pretty quickly yeah. once you're, you're sitting down. That and the five pound banana <laughs> split too. Also, they sell. Oh my God. Yeah. Just Google their name. Yep. And you'll see the pictures. Yeah, we'll, and have to, it's insane. we'll have to post a picture yeah. of the banana split in the BLT. Yeah. Santa Claus would have to travel approximately. I gotta start over because I keep hitting this fucking screen wrong. Santa Claus would have to travel at approximately 2.9 million miles per hour to visit the to visit 800 million children of the world. 2.9 million miles an hour. Yep. Would he even like? This is just this is, is just the speed of his sleigh has to go. His not skin counting would just be. Not counting the time <laughs> of him having to get off the sleigh, and go down the chimney and drop presents. This is just the speed he has to travel to get to cover the distance to get the 800 million children in the world. Okay, I get the drop in the presents and all that. I want to know how many times does. Santa have to drop a shit because of all these milk and cookies. <laughs> well, if he's had that much milk, he's probably not shitting a whole lot. But anyhow, to put like, and just out of curiosity, the the fastest land vehicle on Earth right now is a salt flat racer, and it reached a top speed of 763 miles per hour. It's, it's inconceivable, is what right. it is. Like, it, there's no fucking way possible. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. In 1965, two astronauts would prank NASA with the song Jingle Bells. Oh. Astronauts Walter M. Shirah and Thomas P. Stafford practiced a skit before launch where they would report seeing an object similar to a satellite. As things got tense, if, you know, from hearing this, from these words from these two astronauts in space, because it's more likely during the Cold War, uh-huh. um, Walter Shirau would actually start to begin playing Jingle Bells on a harmonica <laughs> with miniature sleigh bells played by Thomas Stafford at the same time. and uh, the bells are now on display at the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum. Oh, wow. Um, between November and December, approximately 15,000 people will visit the ER with holiday decorating injuries. Thank God we didn't decorate this year. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a lot of that is falling off ladders Letters, and yeah. slipping on ice and shit like that. Or Stapling their hands to the, you know, the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that Clark Griswold's done. <laughs> yep. Some of the first artificial trees were made from dyed goose feathers in 1865 in Germany. Oh, that'd be so pretty. A tree made out of feathers. Yeah, but fucking PETA loser shit now. Can you, 
Can you imagine our cats losing their shit mm-hmm. over a tree of feathers? Oh, yeah. It would be broken in a day. Yeah. That's why I'll probably never have my mid-century modern aluminum Christmas tree because of them. Oh, well, eventually. Yeah. Eventually, and it has to be in a room, and I have to go sit in there and look at it by myself. Keep it away from the fucking cats. We'll have to build a, a fence around it. Yeah. Um, since this episode is actually going to be releasing on my brother's birthday, I decided to look up to see what the number one Christmas toy for his birth year was. Uh-huh. And it was a toss-up. It was very inconsistent um, because of... Star Wars popularity the year before and Kenner not being able to meet demand because uh-huh. they didn't expect Star Wars to take off the way that it did um, was Star Wars action figures and because of the birth certificate they would get you could buy it was fucking sti- it was bizarre but these things go for big money if you actually can find them like I found one on eBay that goes for like $1,600 and it's and it's just a piece of cardboard but, but to be to be fair, I mean, with your brother, Star Wars being the number one toy is it's fitting, right? Um, but it was also Simon was also considered the number one toy for seventy eight. I want to say it is. Is that the? Yeah. Okay. Simon, where it like it lights up and yes. then you follow the pattern. Yes. To look up for us, the number one selling Christmas toy actually falls on your birth year. Oh. The Cabbage Patch Kid dolls. Fuck yeah, it is. And what was interesting reading about that is because some of the facts I found out about Cabbage Patch dolls, there were riots. Really? (laughs) There was riots and fights over these Cabbage Patch dolls. Like trying to get them in a store? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, remember back when growing up when Tickle Me Elmo was a huge problem? Yeah, it was similar to that, but our parents were fucking wild, apparently. Wild. That's stupid. Um, like, because you have thousands of people that are wanting these things, and like Toys R Us stores are only getting like maybe two to three hundred at a time, and that's it. Yeah, that's not enough for everybody. No. <laughs> and um, so I can only imagine what it, this was also similar to like the Beanie Baby craze in the nineties. Probably a better fit than Tickle Me Elmo. Yeah. Now that I think about it, and for my birth year of nineteen eighty two, it was My Little Pony. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Do you know? Have I ever told you my My Little Pony story? Um, uh, this might be a great time to tell me. <laughs> Not mine personally. Right. Uh, my my blonde niece. Right. Yeah. Okay. So she, My Little Pony was her thing. She mm-hmm. had all of them. She could tell you all their names. And. <clears throat> There was one that she had gotten, and I don't remember if it was that she didn't remember the name of this My Little Pony, or if she just liked to make their own names. Mm-hmm. Anyways, she named it Cotton Candy Floho. Okay. <laughs> so that was its name, was Cotton Candy Floho. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll never live it down. Yeah. And, well, another thing is, you know how I like to poke fun at my sister about Hallmark? Uh-huh. Hallmark would induce, introduce... Christmas greeting cards in 1915 and they wouldn't would start to annoy significant others in 2002 with their first Christmas movie named Countdown to Christmas. Yeah. Uh, but the actual first Christmas movie was filmed in 1898 appropriately named Santa Claus. The entire film is not even two minutes long. Uh, 
The film would show two children are being placed in a bed by, I'm assuming, their family maid. She then turns off the light, and the children fall asleep. Santa Claus enters the room from the fireplace and proceeds to trim the tree. He then fills stockings that were previously hung on the mantle by the children. After walking backward and surveying his work, he suddenly darts at the fireplace and disappears up the chimney. The children wake up to see Santa was there in their bedroom. The film surprises everyone and leaves them to wonder how St. Nicholas disappeared. Oh. Stop film animation, basically. Yeah. They just literally stopped, stopped the camera. <laughs> he stepped off, started back on. Yep. But I can only imagine what it would be like to see this kind of technology when it first came out. I mean, back then it was probably a big thing. Right. I mean, probably like <clears throat> for us in this time is VR, basically. Yeah. <clears throat> and to close this out with a recent poll that I had put in our Facebook group, Macabre Emporium Podcast on Facebook, if you haven't joined us yet. Um, I actually was able to find a weird Victorian fun fact that I could squeeze in on short notice. A weird Victorian what? Fun fact! <laughs> because this is actually a Christmas game that they, they would play. Have you ever heard of the Victorian game called Snapdragon? No. <laughs> You're going to be like, what the fuck when I tell you this? Okay, tell me. Uh, so to play Snapdragon, you would take a like a plate, like a, one of our dinner plates, basically, and you'd fill it with nuts and fruits, and then you would go on and douse these nuts and fruits with fucking brandy and light it on fire. Oh, hold on, we're not done yet. Okay, go. <laughs> so how uh, and then with the uh, Snapdragon set up, you would attempt to eat as many flaming treats as you can without getting burned. Seriously? Yeah. Victorians uh, were fucking weird. That was a weird time. What a time to be alive. Yeah. yeah. Not for long. I mean, you eat some well, flaming yeah. nuts. Hey, let's like play this like highly flammable fucking game in a house <laughs> built of flammable materials, which is like soaked in dyes and like extremely flammable. Hell yeah. Uh, but to even more add more dramatics to the game, you can throw salt in the flames to make them flare up and have a yellowish glow. Oh my God. Let's play a game. Who survives Christmas? <laughs> right. <laughs> and not because of the color. Spoiler <laughs> alert. It wasn't the Victorians. <laughs> Um, also, typically, Snapdragon would be played in a dark room to make everyone appear more devilish in the glow of the fire. Okay, why is it called Snapdragon? You couldn't find that out? No, it didn't. It, like, I looked, because once I read about this, okay, this is my Victorian fact I'm using for this episode, and I'm like, why is it called Snapdragon? And then, like, none of them really put in their way. That's it's like, why is Hopscotch called Hopscotch, basically? It's just the name that got picked, and that's what it's stuck with. Because you're hopping and scotching, duh. Well, I mean, you're snapping and... You know, maybe because you're trying to snap food out of the dragon's mouth, maybe? I don't know. But you're putting flaming food into your own pie well, hole. I'm sure they probably fucking put it out. I'm just thought... I don't... I, mm. I mean, you're literally reaching into fire to get it out first before you eat it, so... You said to eat them and see who gets burnt, burnt first. Well, probably... That, to me, says that they're still on fire. Well... Maybe they were smart enough to put them out first. Who knows? I don't know. Did you just read that game to yourself at all? I don't think they were smart enough to do that. <laughs> uh, it's like a lot of the... I looked around for this, and that's like how they all described it as being played, so... Wow, that's insane. Yeah. Insane. So, so but that's about it for Rockefeller Centers and Christmas Facts and... That was fun. Nut job fucking Victorians. Shit. 
nut job Victorians. You ready to talk about camel toe? <laughs> Me? You're mistletoe? Talking about, you're talking about mistletoe. We're talking about mistletoe. I'm talking about it. All right. You ready for the history of the mistletoes? Yep. Okay. So I'm sure by now you've heard songs mentioning mistletoe or you've seen it in person at some point maybe. Right. Have you? Have you well, ever seen it in person? The actual plan or a missile on the back of a toad? Because mistletoe. Mistletoe. Oh my god. Or a plastic foot with a big toe replaced by a mislaid. Anyhow. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyways, the shit's everywhere this time of year. Um, as we know it now, you see mistletoe, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to kiss your someone underneath the mistletoe. If, yep, if you're under the mistletoe. That is correct. And you pray it's a good one. This existed for quite a long time prior to it being talked about in songs. And being showcased in incredibly cheesy and unrealistic Halloween, Jesus, Hallmark Christmas movies. Historians are not sure why kissing under the mistletoe started, but there's a general consensus as to where and when this custom began and why it became so popular around the Christmas holiday. So, starters, do you know what mistletoe is? It's a plant. Obviously. <laughs> and that's about all I can tell you. Okay. But I mean, I guess it's some kind of berry plant because the little white berries are on it. Mm. Uh, yeah. Okay, so it is a plant that grows on numerous types of trees. Okay. This includes oak trees, apple trees, and willow trees. It is a parasite plant that grows no roots in the ground itself, but it will actually, like, attach to the tree and grow its roots into the tree. So, uh, the larger it grows, the roots go, you know, further down the tree. They start to open, like not open they start feeding off of what the tree would use to live it sucks all the water out basically dehydrates them and it winds up killing, killing the, tree. the tree yeah which is why they call it a parasite plant um birds are the most likely culprit for how the mistletoe is initially planted on each tree uh you know because the birds would eat the berries the birds would shit on everything right. and yeah, that's where the, it would sprout from. And then the parasitic plant would bloom. Mistletoe seeds are very sticky, which is what helps keep the parasite literally stuck to the tree. Okay. It's often referred to as resembling man a man's semen. Which you'll soon find out is a very common theme throughout all of history about mistletoe. So there's going to be copious amounts of semen mentioned through this? Copious. So mistletoe is relevant to numerous cultures. Pagans saw the white berries as symbols of male fertility. The reason being is because they thought the seeds resembled semen. Okay. <laughs> Greeks used it as a cure for many things, from period cramps to disorders of the spleen. Roman naturalist Pliny the Elder said it could be used as a balm to ward off epilepsy, poisons, leprosy, ulcers, and cancer. They referred to mistletoe as oak sperm. <laughs> fun, but not fun fact. Mistletoe berries have been introduced into science semi-recently, actually, as a potential and upcoming cancer treatment. Huh. Yeah. 
Celtic druids of the first century. Wait, so hold on. You're saying like in the past they were saying? No, this is like. No, I understand you're saying now that they're looking at it as a cancer treatment, but back in pagan times, you said that like they were doing it using this as a cancer treatment. Yes, Pli- Pliny the Elder okay. said it could be used as, yeah. Okay. Okay, so Celtic druids of the first century A.D are more than likely the ones that started the plant's romantic symbolism. Since mistletoe could blossom even through winter, the druids came to see it as a symbol of vivacity, which caused them to give it to humans and animals in hopes of restoring fertility. The Celts saw mistletoe as the semen of Terranus, the god of thunder. More, more shaman. <laughs> so many shaman. Okay, we're going to go back to the way back right now. Okay. Okay. So, mistletoe is also traced back to a tale in Norse mythology about the god of summer, sun, Baldr. Don't ever try and look up Baldr, the Norse god, because all you're going to get is god of war fucking pictures. I had to skim through so many god of war pictures to find a decent, like, it was aggravating. Anyways. In this story, Baldur's mother, Frigg, who is the goddess of marriage, love, and beauty, um, she cast a spell to make certain that no plant on earth could grow and be used as a weapon against Baldur. Key point. On earth. Okay. There is one plant the spell did not touch, and that's mistletoe. It missed it because it does not grow out of the ground. It doesn't grow okay. from the earth, like rooted in the earth. Right. Um, instead it grows out of the tree's branches Loki being the god of mischief and the schemer that he was had heard about this and made a poison dart out of mistletoe and this dart would eventually be what killed Baldur Hmm. in another version of the story the gods were able to resurrect Baldur from the dead Frigg then declared the mistletoe was a symbol of love and vowed to kiss anyone who passed underneath it if this was to be believed, perhaps that is where the connection to the act of romance under it today stems from. Okay. Mistletoe's association with vitality and higher fertility continued into the Middle Ages, but by the 18th century it had become incorporated into and associated more with Christmas and its celebrations and traditions than anything else. And that's probably more likely because it grows in the wintertime. Probably. I think so, it actually grows all year round. Um, sure, it probably grows all year round, but since it still is growing in when the colder months, yeah, it's probably only the real greenery you can find other than like Christmas trees and other evergreen subspecies yeah. and stuff. Yeah, kissing under the middle middle. <laughs> I mean, I guess it would be a middle toe. <laughs> God damn. Well, then. <laughs> kissing under the mistletoe would not have even been a thing or a tradition before the year 1720. Because that is the year that any truly extensive research had ever been done and published about the plant. Mm -hmm. However, the earliest reference of kissing under the mistletoe came from a song published in 1784 from a comedy musical called Two to One. I've never heard of it. I'm sure you haven't. No. So part of its lyrics read, and this is the part that they say is like the first reference of it the kissing bit okay so it says what all the men jem john and joe cry what good luck has sent ye 
and kiss beneath the mistletoe, the girl not turned of 20. Yeah, I have no fucking idea. The first actual picture, or in this case, um, drawing, of a couple kissing under the mistletoe was published in the very first book version of A Christmas Carol in 1843. This could have been the catalyst for the tradition we know today. In the Western world, mistletoe was associated with peace, love, and understanding. It was hung over doorways to protect the household from witches and demons, as well as just plain old festive decoration. But why witches and demons? Like, what are the berries going to do to them? Mm. And it's just basically like <clears throat> a lot of things before that we've gone over is about yeah. church and being a troll of everything at the time. Yeah. Part of the early custom allowed men to steal a kiss from anyone caught standing underneath the mistletoe. But if the woman dashed his hopes and refused, it was a sign of bad luck for the man. Customs also showed that a berry would be picked from, like, the sprig of the mistletoe after the couple kissed. So basically, you're under the mistletoe, you kiss somebody, you have to pluck one of those berries off after you kiss. That way, when there are no berries left on it, like... Nobody else can be kissed. And they can't use mistletoe as reason to kiss somebody. Keep in mind, there are types of mistletoe berries that are toxic to humans and animals. The levels of toxicity vary in each type. The most toxic was, of course, enough to kill a person as there were reports of people being poisoned and dying after eating them. However, you would have to eat a lot this for is, it to kill you. Is this like a ridiculous amount, like poppy seeds to show up for it to show up on a drug test? No, I think it would be less than poppy seeds. Um, but it it was like one thing I had read said that you eat like ten to twenty and you're gonna have a stomach ache. So it would have to be a lot of berries, yeah, for it to actually be toxic enough to kill you. Thankfully, I've never had to deal with the mistletoe tradition of people running up and, you know, holding it above my head or whatever. Yeah. Um, I find that the entire thing just as off-putting as people tapping their glass at a wedding to make oh, the God. bride and groom kiss. Yeah. Especially more so when they're just trying to fucking eat. Right. And it, like, come on. That's a, that's a yeah. little, little, little bit creepy. Everybody banging on their glass so they can force you to kiss and they can watch you do it i mean a little bit here and there okay it's not a big deal but the one of the weddings that we've gone to <laughs> yeah. how excessive they were with that yes i made the joke for it was like okay it's only plastic cups and silverware in ours yeah like so, in so it's just a dull thud so we don't <laughs> hear it wait yeah pretty much <laughs> that's all we're getting <laughs> like i don't even hear that shit but yeah like if you really want to see somebody kiss that bad, like there's tons of free porn sites out there, and you don't have to. What make your family... are you watching that people are kissing in? <laughs> there's all kinds of kisses. <laughs> Up above kisses, down below, like there's a lot of kisses. All kinds of them. Shut up. Anyways. Yeah. We're... <laughs> uh. Yeah. It's just it's weird. I think it's weird. Even if you were to walk up to me with mistletoe and put it above my head. Yeah, you'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you doing? You don't need to bring this shit into the house for me to kiss you. Right, but just, you just first look at me like, what the fuck are you doing? I would, and you know I would. Yeah. Just because that's the kind of witch I am. But that's it. 
That's the story of the mistletoe. That's the story of the mistletoe and the copious amounts of semen relations copious to it. Copious amounts of semen. Semen? Semen. I said that so. shit in cursive. But yeah, that's it. So. Not a lot. So, with that being it for this episode, Sarah and I, we want to wish you happy holidays or... Happy Hanukkah! Or happy Hanukkah, <laughs> as she puts it, as she quotes the favorite her favorite holiday commercial oh it's the cutest commercial yeah. and a happy winter solstice for our pagan friends yes or in happy yule for those that may be in norse countries 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 yes yep yeah. and merry christmas and i'm not gonna say happy holidays because fuck that I think I said it, but anyway. You might have. I said I'm not saying it. I'll, I'll take it on post edit, which means I gotta leave it in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm thinking it's time we close up the Emporium for today for the rest of the year, Sarah. Oh, for the rest of the year. No. That's. Nah, just kidding. We're gonna be back for the last week and have a fun little fun end of the year episode that kind of based off of something Sarah does with her cross-stitching projects. So, yes. Where you take your floss and you put it in the bowl. Yeah. Yeah, it's something similar to that. Uh, if you think about it. It is. Yep. Very true. So, I don't know about you, Sarah, but I think it's time to close up the Emporium for today. I agree. And until next time. Remember to creep it real. Bye! Bye!